Hi, welcome to Emmanuel Church. If you haven't been to a service, we'd love to see you there. Or if you want to hear our sermons online, go ahead and like us on Facebook and you'll get future sermons. With regards to what we're doing with our preaching series, we're looking at the whole thing about membership. And just as a reminder, this has been a, um, a request, if you like, from the congregation, from you guys. We want to be and know what it means to be a member. We want to feel more of that sense of ownership of this church. You know, we are the living stones. We are the body of Christ. We are, want to serve and minister in Jesus' name. So, this morning, what I'm going to do, this is, if you like, the last part of, we've got a, it's like a three-part series of membership, and this part is about belonging, about our status. So what I'm going to do this morning is give a little few words about belonging, status, then I'm going to make some reference to the scriptures from the Hebrew scriptures, not go through it step by step, but really just paint a picture of what that illustrates, and then I will end by looking at some of the practical applications that Paul writes in his letter to the, that local church. How can we apply God's word? So, membership, belonging. Let's just, just pause a second. What does it mean to be a member? And of course, the last three weeks, we began this journey. The first week was looking at the whole nature of baptism. What goes on in baptism? And of course, in baptism, we become a member of God's church. We become a member of the universal church. We're connected to God's church in the past and in the present. And in one sense, in the future as well, we're connected. We're part of the body of Christ. And that was what we looked at in our second week. Through baptism, we become part of the body of Christ. And if you think about the, the body as a physical structure, there are different members connected together. And this is wonderful illustration for us. Each individual of us is connected to one another. We're part of the body of Christ. We can't do without each other. We need each other. In fact, the weakest part of the so-called body is the most important, the elevated part. And Paul last week, of course, expanded on this idea, looking at within the local context, looked at the kind of leadership, if you like, of, of the body of Christ, setting different gifts in place to build up the saints, to empower the saints, so that not each person has to do the same job. Hallelujah. That would be a disaster, wouldn't it? So we're connected. I mean, you know, we need Mr. Toya Han at the back there to try and sort all this technical stuff, for example. We need, when, you are, when JP and I go there, it's like, help. You know, so we need each other. We need each other to build up the body of Christ. And of course, a, a lovely illustration Paul gave us last week, this idea that we need to speak the truth in love. And that will be picked up a little bit as we hear Paul's message to the church later today as we go into that section. Belonging. Right here in the creation, we hear this message from God. The message of belonging. In fact, what we find here in the creation story is God creates man and woman in his image to reflect who God is, we see this whole idea of belonging. In fact, this whole idea of being community, connected with each other. God, of course, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We see this kind of community in the Godhead. God the Father loving the Son, and the Son loving the Father, and the Spirit elevating the Son, and this, if you like, I can't help but dance, 
because there's this dance that's going on in the God because there's constant dynamic and movement and building each other up and because of the nature of God and the movement of God and the nature of love and who he is, he has to create. It just cannot be contained. It's like, I have to create. I want to create. And so we have this picture of man and the whole creation story, of course, leading up. And here we have, then the Lord God said, it is not good. Now all, of course, for the creation story, we've got this build up. You know, he creates and he says, it is good. He creates and it is good. And he creates man and he says, it's not good that man should be alone. You know, he cannot be alone. He needs someone to compliment him. Of course, here we're talking about the creation story of man, Adam and Eve. You get the dynamic that Eve been created from the rib of man. But it's a much bigger truth. The truth is mankind, humanity. It's not good for humanity to be alone. We need each other. We, we reflect God's image in each other. We're connected. We, our sense of belonging is so often found by being part of this community. We were created for relationship. We were created for, to live in community. One of our members said to me the other day, we, had a, you know, we were talking about baptism, he said, I just love this church so much. I just feel, it's like my family. I just feel part of a community, that sense of belonging. And I pray, you know, as you guys come in here and you say hello to each other, it's, it's like, oh, it's good to be with family again. It's good to be connected again. I'm not alone, hallelujah. We are this community, this body of Christ. And this is the heartbeat, the very, the very desire, the design of our creator God, we need each other. And what about this church? And let's look at it in the local level. I mean, look at you. Have you looked around recently? People from all around the world, all different shades and colours and ethnicity, locals and internationals, Jews and Gentiles, together as a community, together as this body, reflecting the diversity of our God, the creativity of our God. Each one of you just radiating this creativity, connected. You're not alone. We're together in this. And sometimes there might be some people that you find a bit more difficult. You know what? We're together in this. And sometimes those relationships are the good ones because that's where we've got to work at it. Work together. Work for this unity. We were created to live in community. And as we begin to focus about Emmanuel Church, as this community, of course we have our our kind of special identity in one sense because of where we're located in time and space. But here we are, Emmanuel Church, Emmanuel Church community. And if we think about the opposite, let's just imagine for a moment, and I'm going to use Mother Teresa as an illustration, because most of you, you've heard of Mother Teresa. She was an incredible woman who gave up her life to serve the poor in India, created this community of sisters, of nuns, serving the poor and the needy. And when she would reflect upon the, especially the Western society, what she said was the greatest need was not the need of poverty, but actually this problem of loneliness, of disconnect, of not belonging. Loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. It goes completely contrary to God's design. It's not good for man to be alone. And if you're lonely, and some of you might experience or have experienced that loneliness 
it's so painful. That sense of not being connected, not feeling loved, not feeling wanted, it does something to the human spirit. We begin to, it begins to crush us. And I, I look back in my life, in my, before I was married, and at that, there was a time in my life where I was trying to connect, but there were times when this loneliness just felt so overpowering. It's like it disabled me to get out into the car and go out. But that I had to do because when you've got those feelings, it's so important to get out and connect again because we need each other. Otherwise, we get into the dilemma that Mother Teresa so vividly illustrates, loneliness. So we need belonging. Okay, that's, that's my kind of introduction to the idea of belonging. Why do we choose this particular scripture today from the Hebrew scriptures? It really was as an illustration. We're not going to go for it step by step. But what we have here in God's story, the story, the big story of God, is a people set apart. And we have here a people of Israel. And it's interesting because the people of Israel, Am Israel or Benai Israel, the children of Israel, we've got this idea of belonging. It's not the religion of Israel, it's the people of Israel, it's the children of Israel, it's relationship. A community in relationship. Next one, Ben. So let's look at this community, and of course we, we're just making a kind of, if you like, painting an overall picture here of this community that God has set apart. Let's look at them. So first of all, we've got Abraham, if you like, given the promise of community. The promise that he would be, this rather elderly gentleman, the father of a nation, but also the father of many nations. This promise of God. You know, your, your descendants will be like the grains of the sand on the beach and the stars in the sky. This is the promise to Abraham to be the father. Let's look at this. So we, with the promise, then we have the sign. And he said, that a sign of this is, you know, on the eighth day there will be circumcision. And this sign of circumcision is a reminder that you are set apart for me. This is a sign of the covenant, this, this sign where we're connected. I'm committed to you, God says, and this is a sign to remind you, I am 100% for you. And it's a sign within the family, the family of Abraham, and then of course as it was with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and we've got this development, if you like, where it becomes a family, that becomes a tribe, that becomes a nation, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. And of course then God gives this people group the Torah. He gives them the means in how to live as a community. In that sense, it's not a religious book, because we, we can get a bit misunderstood. It's a way to live. The Torah is a way to live. How can we connect with each other? How can we be with one another? The Torah is giving us the living example of a community that has a calling, that has a promise, that has a sign to be a light to the nations, to reflect the reality of God, this relationship with God, how to live through the whole world. That's the destiny, the call of the, the Israelites, the Hebrews. And of course, 
as this community needs its place to worship. Now, you, you, without going into all the history, of course, we're thinking about the Torah with Moses, and then we've got the tabernacle, which later becomes the temple. We've got a place of worship. So this community, first and foremost, has to have a connection with the great God, the creator God himself. And in this, you know, I mean, Shema Israel, you've got this whole kind of summary, you know, hear, O Israel, hear, O Israel, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. You know, and Jesus kind of brings it all together. He said, and you're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with everything that is within you, and then love your neighbour as yourself. Can you see this connection? So we have this connection with the worship of God and this connection as the community of God. And of course, as all tr- communities, over time, they develop some traditions, a way of identity, and there could be more in that. You might just about see that. What I've done there is created a box around that. And with this community, there is, if you like, there are certain boundaries, borders, if you like, things that need to be contained for the sake of purity, for the sake of keeping this community reflecting the very nature of God. And in our passage today, we've got this kind of interaction of who can be part of this community. And there are some that cannot be part of this community. Before, we've got about all the sexual reg- uh, regulations. You know, there are some things that you cannot do and be part of this community. So there is within this idea of community some sort of boundary to keep it protected. But let's look at us for a moment. Here we are, Emmanuel Church, I see, Emmanuel Church community. We also have a kind of, there are certain boundaries within this community. It isn't just like everything goes. So what do we do? How do we reflect our community? First of all, we have a constitution here, and if you haven't read it, you need to read it, so if you want to know more about who we are. A constitution is there. It sets out very clearly kind of our identity, what we believe, how we're governed, how we're structured, and so on and so forth, how to become a member. So we have this constitution. It's kind of a, the constitution is a, is a way of keeping a boundary in place because if I stand up here and I start preaching anything other than what the constitution says about our doctrine of faith, you need to call me to task. You know, it's not about me just doing my own thing. The constitution is there to protect us. You know, you think about boundaries. I don't know, in a modern, postmodern society, we always think, you know, everything has to go. You know, it's all about being free, but there's freedom within a boundary. You know, God set the Garden of Eden with a boundary. He said that there's freedom within that scope, but if you go out of that, then you can have problems. And it's similar to this idea that the Constitution creates the boundary for us so we know who we are and what we stand for. And of course, within this, baptism, as I already mentioned, is kind of the entry into the universal church, yes. But also we see that as an entry into membership into our local community. And within this, we are, of course, we have our confessional basis, what we believe. In our constitution, it has five points. Do read that if you haven't done that. The first four points is what I call the kind of universal evangelical beliefs. You know, believing in one God, really believing in the scriptures, believing in the, the creeds and so on, believing in the, you know, the whole Bible. You'll read it there if you're, if you're of any kind of evangelical background or an evangelical be- belief, then you're all going to say yes and amen. And then when you get to point five, then it becomes this extra little bit about being Lutheran. All right? But to be a member, because of who we are, the nature of who we are, you only required to tick the first boxes. You don't need to become a Lutheran to be a member. 
Okay? So here we have, so we have our doctrine of belief, our basis of confession, and then within this, we also see how we structure, how we govern. You know, we, all churches govern slightly differently. And I would say that I'm, I'm, I'm of the persuasion, because I'm a bit more ecumenical in my heart, there isn't necessarily a right and a wrong way, they're just different ways. It's just the diversity that we have in the body of Christ. And then here, of course, we govern in a certain way. And you'll see that again in the Constitution. We have Emmanuel Ministries Board, from different mission partners from around the world who are, if you like, the kind of leadership up there. And then underneath that, then you've got the pastor, and then you've got the advisory council, and then you've got the staff, and then you've got all these kind of different areas of structure and governance. But, you know, it's dynamic, and we, we have to work with each other and learn how we can work together, because it's never going to be perfect. There's no such thing as perfect government, as we know. And, of course, centrally, we have this worship. We come together collectively to worship, and then we come to, as the mission-shaped church, a missional church, then we're always called to be sent out to reflect the, very, the gospel into the world. And we have our own traditions, and they might change, and they might develop, but we do have our own kind of, you know, sometimes we don't even know what these traditions are because we just do them kind of subconsciously, but we do have some sort of tradition. Okay, I see community. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to focus on the scriptures of Paul and kind of apply it in a very practical way. And I'm just going to do this very quickly. So we've got, first of all, we need to look at prayer. I'll do this really quickly, Ben. We've got to declare the mystery of Christ, walk in wisdom, and be gracious in speech. So that's kind of the applications. So let's look at the scriptures. Last week, Paul reminded us in Paul's letters there's really good theology. And then at some stage there's this change where he says, right, okay, that you, this is the doctrine, this is how we should live, this is how we should understand, and then it's kind of the question of how we should live. live. You might call it practical theology, the outworking of our faith. All right, so here we've got this, if you like, this switch in Paul's letter, and it's written obviously to one particular church, a local church, but I believe this is absolutely 100% applicable to all churches around the world. So let's just look at that as we try and apply scripture to our daily lives. It says, Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, so it needs to be just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. You, you get the connection here, you know, you need to be fair with one another, you need to be just, we have our Father in heaven, all right? And then he goes on to verse 2, and this is really where I want to focus. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Continue steadfastly in prayer. And Paul exhorts us, Scripture exhorts us, to be continuous in our prayer life. And to be steadfast in our prayer life. And I don't know about you, sometimes, and maybe some traditions are more prone to this than others, we can think prayer life just needs to be this spontaneous thing. The prayer life is, well, if I feel like praying, then I'm going to pray. And actually, Paul says, be steadfast. It doesn't say, if you feel like it, guys, and if you feel kind of an inspiration, then pray. He says, be steadfast. You know, it's like being a warrior. It's like he's talking to his commandos. Be steadfast, stand up, get on with it. That's the kind of image that I have here when Paul's saying, you know, don't always wait for the words to come. Just open your mouth and speak. Pray and pray and pray. Pray in season and out of season. When you feel like it, when you don't feel like it, pray. 
whatever you do, pray. And I'm 100% committed to a community that's praying. As a staff, we pray on a, on a Monday, we pray on a Wednesday, and we pray a, a little bit on a Thursday. And also we have collective prayer here on a Friday. You know what? There's an old adage. When I work, I work. When I pray, God works. What does it mean? It means that prayer needs to be right there from the beginning, right there in the centre. Even as we're doing our work, we need that attitude of prayer. Be steadfast in prayer. Being watchful. You know, do you <laughs> keep your eyes open. I mean, obviously here you can think about in the Middle Eastern times, you had these, the idea of a city, and you had these watchtowers. They're looking for the enemy, checking what's happening. Paul says, be watchful, be alert, be steadfast. Again, it's this, this image of, you know, like an army in a way. Can get up and be watchful, be on your toes. And then look at this. In it, with thanks, be watchful. In it, with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is so important to be thankful. To, to, to say thank you, by the way, it's really important. That's a good way to, to minister this prayer life, to say thank you to people for what they do, for who they are. But here it's been thankful to God for who he is, irrespective of the circumstances that you're in. And that's the challenge. Paul's writing from prison. I mean, he's not sitting on a, a nice Tel Aviv beach enjoying the sunshine. He's in prison. And so his message is be steadfast, be watchful, and be thankful. And so it's a real challenge for us, when the good times and the bad times, to turn into a place of thankfulness, even when we don't understand, even when we're suffering, even when there's pain, to be thankful for who God is. At the same, sorry, pray. At the same time, pray also for us. So being thankful, praying to God, but praying for the saints, praying for those who are working. Pray for us. And so it's what we call intercessory prayer. It's not just personal prayer, it's intercession, it's work. And I, I really try and say that, you know, prayer is work. It's not always easy. I find it easier when we pray together, by the way. So I'm on my own, it's really hard. And I'm sure most of you would say, yeah, I agree with that. But when I'm with someone, it's like, I don't know, when you're training, going to the gym, and if you, you know that so-and-so is going to be there, you've made an appointment, you go, and oh, I don't really want to get up, I don't want to go train, I just, I just want to sit and watch Netflix, and I don't know, just relax. But you get out, and then when you train, and you're with someone, you not feel better afterwards, don't you? And it's kind of a similar image, I think, with prayer, as we pray together, all right? Um, pray for us also, that God may open to us a door for the word. It's the word of God. Praying ultimately, it's for the word of God, the gospel, the good news, that the doors, and it says, look, a door would be open. You know, we, we, we had a, when we first came here, we had a real thing with the children's ministry. We got everything set up with the children. And then as a church, we committed ourselves to pray for families to come. And we prayed and there was no families. And we prayed and then maybe there was one family. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And that's where we need to be. Praying, even if we can't see the results straight away. Praying that doors would be open to declare the mystery of Christ. The mystery of the gospel. The eyes would be open. The people would become born again into living relationship with God. The mystery of Christ. We need to be praying for that. And he says, look, on account of which I am in prison. 
Right, that's the context. Next, next perhaps slide. That I may make it clear. Pray that doors would be open. Be steadfast in this. Pray that it would be clear. The gospel needs to be clear. And you know, it's, it, it, the gospel is really simple. And you, can, you, know, you don't want to get bottled down with theology in the sense of intellectualism. The gospel message is really simple. And so we need to be really clear when we preach the gospel. And, you know, and this is not just the ministers. This is all of us you know, out there in, with our friends in our workplaces. When the time comes, as we build up trust, at some stage we want to pray to God, let me be clear in this gospel message. Let me not, as Paul reminded us, I don't want to dampen it down. It's the truth. It needs to be spoken. In love, yes. But it's the truth that needs to be spoken. Let it be clearly spoken. Where are we? Clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. And, you know, it's this Hebrew idea. You know, when wisdom is, you can't, words are connected with good deeds. There's no way around it. It's a living example. You need, to walk means to do good deeds, to be a good example. Making, walking wisdom towards the outsiders, to where you are, the people around us. Making the best use of time. You know, thinking strategically, is this such a good use of time or not? This person, is this a, really is a good idea for me to invest time in this person? Always, let your speech always be gracious. Again, Paul touched on that last week. The idea of grace, speaking truth in love. You know, it needs to be gracious. <laughs> We've got a God of grace. We know what grace is. Let's try and be gracious to one another and those that we meet. And I, I'll be honest, there are times, you know, I can be very, you, you can just react to a certain situation, what someone said, you just want to, you know, fire back. And sometimes I say, Lord, help me to react grace, graciously, not just reactively. Help me to, how would you react? It's like, just breathe, think about it, and react graciously to one another. Seasons with salt, of course, salt was how you seasoned your food, it's how you, you know, it was a, it's so a preservative of the time. It's obviously, as it is today, it's a spice that gives, it livens up things. So it is this sense of, you know, as we speak, be seasoned with salt. Kind of like spice it up a little bit, you know. There is kind of lightness as well. In the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, it's like, you know, it's alive. It's seasoned with salt. It's, it's to be spoken with this. So that you may know how you ought to answer for each person. There's some really practical stuff Paul gives us as a community. It's so relevant for today, for Emmanuel Church. Let us be people who speak the gospel, who are seasoned with salt, who are gracious with each other and gracious to the world in which he calls us to. Amen.